Welcome to the Crow's Nest. My name is Jackson Shank, alongside my co-hosts Mike Federico and Justin Valenzuela for episode 48, where we're going to be talking about the NFL Week 8. The trade deadline has passed, and we've got our winners and losers. Those are our two topics for today. That being said, let's get right into it. Fellas, I got my winner for this week as running backs around the league, okay? This was a fantasy manager's heaven. This past week was so, so amazing. CMC dropped 40 points in fantasy. He was the first player to throw, catch, and rush for a touchdown in the same game since 2005. And get this, he's done it before. So he did this in a a college game as well versus USC back in 2015. Derrick Henry, 32 carries, 219 yards, 2 TDs. King Henry is back. Justin, I'm so glad I traded for him in, in our fantasy league. Actually, yeah, no, Jackson, Mike, you're in this league too. Why don't why don't you why don't you tell them the trade you managed to pull off on a clearly incompetent human being? Uh, so I got Derrick Henry and Alan Lazard for Gabe Davis, James Conner, AJ Dillon, and somebody who I can't even remember. I know it was a four for two. I lucked out because now my two running backs are Austin Eckler and Derrick Henry. So yeah, and Alan Lazard is better. Alan Lazard is better than Gabe Davis. Like, I, I don't understand. Yeah. I, that's so frustrating. Bro. You know, it, in all fairness, it was a it was a legitimate trade. This same guy at the time was like one in four, and he made two trades on the same day. He made a trade with Justin, and he made a trade with me. The trade with Justin was way more fair yes. in retrospect than mine, but sometimes that's how you luck out when you have P- I mean, it's the first year we've had this league, and I kind of threw it together with people we had in a class where Justin and I met, Intro to Sports Media, and it's just kind of taken off from there. So, yeah, I lucked out with Derrick Henry. Anyway, more running backs. Also picked up this guy on the waiver spot, Deonta Foreman, the old Derrick Henry backup who's gone to Carolina this year, has started twice now. He's back-to-back weeks with 118 yards rushing, 26 carries for 118 yards, three touchdowns. Deonta Foreman absolutely ran all over. And AK as well, AK41 or Alvin Kamara. He had 18 for 62 and a TD, but nine catches on 10 targets for 96 yards and two TDs. Travis Etienne as well. Man, this list goes on and on and on. Really, his his first actual start, James Robinson is completely off the team. There's no other competition in that backfield starting to get reps of his own. 24 for 156 and a tutty. These guys are starting to lean on this kid. And final mention, Tony P, who took over for an injured Zeke Elliott this week, 14 for 131 and three tugs. RBs around the league ate it up this week. Running backs around the league are doing their job. It's nice to see a little bit of run game as this is more of a, more and more of a passing league. But Tony Pollard, my winner for the week is going to be Tony Pollard. And then in parentheses, the Dallas Cowboys. Tony Pollard went off, as you mentioned, Jackson, with despite Ezekiel Elliott not playing. I think now it's, it's fair to rest the case that Tony Pollard is the running back one. He should be the lead back. There's no question about it. However, if you ask Jerry Jones, he, he was quoted saying, we go as Zeke goes. Zeke is our guy. And I think that's just delusion talking right now because it is so clear. Despite Zeke making all the money, I understand that. But Tony Pollard is better. 
Zeke has lost his step. Zeke is good for like a goal line stand or a a fourth and one or third and one. We have to get short yards because he just puts his head down and drives into the pile. Tony Pollard is explosive. He's fast. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He can make all these sorts of plays. The Cowboys are 6-2 and after Dak Prescott missed five weeks. And their upcoming schedule actually isn't that bad. They play the Packers, the Vikings, who's a tough team, the Giants, the Colts, the Texans, and the Jaguars. This is a team that can go pretty far into the playoffs, I say, because their schedule is really good. They have to beat Philadelphia, though, if they really want to make a name for themselves. Because right now, the top dog in the NFC East is the Eagles. But Dak being back is huge. Cooper Rush did a great thing for this team, and that was showing them that they need to rely on the run more. And Dak Prescott, coming back in his first, I would say his first real game back, because last game... You know, getting some of the kinks out. 250 pass yards, two pass touchdowns, and a rush touchdown. And you know who else scored a touchdown? Micah Parsons. That guy with an injured groin, I believe. He played every other snap because he was, you know, dealing with the injury. He reached a top speed of 20 miles per hour and scored his first career touchdown as a linebacker, a defensive lineman, a cornerback safety, whatever you want to put him out of position. Micah Parsons is an absolute, I don't want to say freak because he calls himself the Lion. You know, the Lion's got to eat. But Micah Parsons is an absolute awesome player to watch. And I know T.J. Watt is out, but Micah Parsons is the best defensive player in the league. Yeah, I definitely would have to agree with that. I mean, I picked Micah Parsons to win Defensive Player of the Year not too long ago, uh, way back then. But I don't know if I'm ready to quite say Tony Pollard is the lead back in Dallas just yet. While it's true he does average more yards per carry than Zeke every single year, the reality is Zeke gets the bulk of the touches and he's a burner, you know? He's a one-cut back. He wears down that defensive line, those defenders. Third, fourth quarter, they don't want to tackle him anymore. And then you put in that change of pace back in Tony Pollard, and that's why he gets those home runs. Yes, he had a great game against the Chicago Bears, but the reality is the Chicago Bears have the second worst run defense in the league, and it's pretty close to being the worst. They only trail 60 total yards to the Houston Texans in terms of rushing yards let up per game and in total. Um, So their run defense really isn't that good. It was a blowout game. And I really just think the Cowboys offense runs better when Zeke is on the field in the sense that it's a duo backfield. Kind of like, I'm going to spin it back to the Jets like a homer. I just saw Brees Hall, Michael Carter. You know, they worked really well together. Brees Hall, pounding the rock, getting most of the touches, and then you put Michael Carter in as a third down back, you know, maybe a screen guy or a quick elusive guy to get to the outside and get that, you know, home run run that you need. So I think that's how the Cowboys offense operates most effectively. But I mean, shout out Tony Pollard, though. 14 carries, 131, three touchdowns is nothing to shy about. And we've known he's capable of this. Just I don't know if he's clearly the RB1 yet. I'm going to have to be the deciding vote here, and I think it mostly just comes from the fact that Zeke's contract eats so far into the cap hit. Like, next year, they could get rid of Zeke. Like, people are suspecting that this is his final season in Dallas. His dead cap hit would only be $12 million, compared to the fact that if they were to pay him in the 2023 season, it would be worth $16 million, right? Tony Pollard proved this week that he could be a three-down back and just be that workhorse guy. Now, give the offensive line some credit and the fact they played the Chicago Bears, but it's one thing if Pollard were to come out against a weak defensive line and put up 25 rushes, 100 yards, one touchdown. He put up 
three TDs and 130 yards on the ground, averaging nine and a half yards per carry. This guy has got big playability, and I think he's the future back in Dallas. I think Zeke's contract can give it up, I quite think frankly. I think it's fair to recognize that Tony Pollard's contract is up after this year, believe it or not. He's a huge, he's a he's a unrestricted free agent heading into the 2023 offseason, so they're definitely going to have a big decision. Do they stick with the guy they have locked up and they invested a first-round pick into, or do they let him go, eat some money, and but inevitably you're going to have to sign Tony Pollard too. So they're going to be willing to ditch Zeke's contract, eat that money, and sign Tony Pollard to starting running back money? I'm not too sure. We'll have to see. Moving on to a team everyone expected to be in sole position of first place in the NFC South. My winner for this week <laughs> is going to be the Atlanta Falcons, picked by both Jackson and I to be last in the division and top five. Correct me if I'm wrong. Jackson, you picked them to have the first overall pick. Yeah, I owe the Falcons and an apology. I, I also must humbly apologize to all Falcons fans out there. I severely underrated you guys. Marcus Mariota is doing a great job being a manager. That run game is extremely solid, and they're just winning games. They win the games they have to. The winner of that Panthers-Falcons game was going to be in first place, given Falcons got a little bit of a gimme. I don't think DJ Moore should have been penalized after that Hail Mary. I mean, come on, man. He just caught... It's been a rule that if you remove your helmet, you get you know penalty. It's been a rule. Uh, when when retired officials come out and say he shouldn't have been penalized, most of the league is in up arms. He was also off the field, which is important to be noted. But you know what? Happened, happened. Can't change it. Falcons win. Great for them. Sole position of first place. What is up with the Buccaneers, though? I cannot believe I would be sitting here saying the Falcons are a winner simply because with a 500 record, keep in mind, it's not like they're playing amazing. They just happen to be the best team in a horrible division. Shout out the Falcons. The Falcons being first place is kind of crazy, but if you look at their the record at home, they're three and one. So they're obviously doing something right down in the A. But Kyle Pitts, finally, fantasy o- owners can rejoice. He finally had a good game, five receptions, 80 yards, and a touchdown. You know, it's funny because the joke is that his first ever career touchdown was in London. So he didn't even get it on U.S. soil. So it's nice, you know, for fantasy owners to see Kyle Pitts doing well, but this is a Falcons team that really doesn't have that many weapons. I mean, Cordell Patterson's hurt. They have a Drake London, who they just drafted from USC, and Kyle Pitts, who was a first-round pick from Florida last year. So their their weapons, their first-round picks, they're finally playing to their potential. The Falcons, 4-4, four four, considering how bad this division is, I would not be totally shocked if we see them in the playoffs. Me either. But who would have thought, at the end of the day, Panthers and Falcons would be playing a game to take first place of the division. That, to me, is just ridiculous. It is ridiculous, but, you know, I I gotta break the news to you, Justin. You know what's not ridiculous? Zach Wilson is not the future of the Jets. Let's be honest here, okay? This is a man who, coming into this game, and throughout his entire career, has not at one point had more passing touchdowns than interceptions. Zach Wilson throws another three picks in their loss to the New England Patriots. Losing Brees Hall has completely exposed the offensive side of this team. And not only has it exposed the Jets, this was one of the, like, these are some of the ugliest picks I've seen in a long time. I remember I was sitting down actually watching the game film this morning next to Justin in our class. And I look at, I look at Justin, I'm like, dude, this guy is not throwing good balls. And it's just sad because they just drafted Garrett Wilson, who had an 100-yard receiving game. Don't get me wrong, they used him well. Tyler Conklin broke out, had a two-touchdown game. 
But where is Elijah Moore in this offense? Where is Corey Davis since Zach Wilson got back? We haven't seen the utilization of all these pieces, and I think we're going to have to lay it at the hands of Zach Wilson because he has weapons. He does. Let's be honest. I mean, Elijah Moore was the top wideout on this team the last five to seven weeks of last season, and he's not getting any production now. Is that really the scheme, or is it the quarterback? Zach Wilson's play has not been good. Since his return, the Jets are 4-1. and one. The first four games, they're on a four-game win streak, and during that four-game win streak, you know how many passing touchdowns he threw? One. The Jets' defense was what carried them through that win streak. I think the Jets got down from their high that they were at, and Bill Belichick showed that you know he's still Bill Belichick, and he knows how to game plan. Zach Wilson has never really been that guy. And, you know, when when you know the tweet came out that he was returning back it was like oh wilson he's back no one got excited this is he, like they were treating him they were giving him like the josh allen or the patrick mahomes treatment that oh he's returning the jets the jets are the jets at the end of the day yes they're having a good season their defense is what's causing them to have this 5 and 3 season they're second in the afc east i don't think zach wilson is the answer at all however the defense makes up for his poor play you know, he had a horrible game, and it's it's definitely fair to say he lost us that game without a doubt. He hasn't looked great this season, must admit. You know, heading into next season, even after the draft, he's going into his third season next year. After this upcoming draft, whatever quarterbacks get taken, he will be the third youngest starting quarterback in the league. You know how many people were saying after Josh Allen's second season that he isn't that guy, he's not going to be him? He's 21 years old, or 23 years old, sorry. 23 years old. He played the Dolphins, blew them out, didn't have to throw the ball. Packers also didn't have to throw the ball. Broncos didn't have to throw the ball. And Patriots, we had to throw the ball. Those are all great defenses. I think it's safe to say we can all acknowledge the Dolphins, Packers, Broncos, Patriots are some of the top defenses in the league. Is that is that too too much? I wouldn't I wouldn't go to say Miami. Okay, that's um, fine. But you know, his worst game of the year, the yeah. Patriots, that's a that's a very solid defense. No, I mean Green Bay's got He's, Jair and and they've got they've got guys. Denver for sure, their secondary is one of the best. And then New England, you know, Jack Jones, they drafted a cornerback this year who's been a stud. And, and Matt Matt Judon's got one of the highest pressure rates in all of football. And so, Bill Belichick uh, is right, a notorious Bill, schemer. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Those are great defenses. So I'll I'll, I'll I'll give you a few there. And Gary, uh, Corey Davis was hurt. He's being protected by our sixth and seventh seventh string offensive tackles. I find it hard for any quarterback to succeed. Jackson, what happened to your Chiefs when you know you had backup tackles? Well, we had out in the Super we, Bowl. We, we, yeah. Given Pat Mahomes looked amazing, I'll give him that. You can't compare Zach Wilson. No, I'm not. Can't. I'm not. I'm just saying Jackson can synthesize synthesize with not having tackles to protect a young developing guy. Corey Davis was hurt. He didn't play. Elijah Moore just requested a trade. This is. It's not a lack of usage. It's a, you think you could do whatever you want, say whatever you want to say. We wanted to handle this in-house with you. You took it public. Actions have consequences. You know what I'm saying? You have consequences for your actions. That was simply, he played 10 snaps. You think we wanted to play him 10 snaps? No, we want him on the field at all times. He just didn't get used because he requested a trade. I just, I'm not ready to say he isn't that guy yet. That was his 18th career start. You know how many games you start in one season now? 17. So it's like he's played one season in a game. And he hasn't looked great at times. There's points that he's looked great. I think the Titans game last year was a perfect example. Uh, at the end of the season last year, after the bye, he got injured, came back. I think he played pretty damn well, if you ask me. But nobody would really know that because who pays attention to the Jets. I'm a little nervous, but I'm not ready to say he isn't the guy yet. 
there's a lot of smoke in the area. I the only thing that I'm going to discredit him on as you know, I met you've you've pretty much cleared up the wide receiver argument. You guys make the claim that he is a mobile quarterback, and yes, yeah. he can run, but he is not good under pressure or on the run. I think all three of his picks were on the run, out of the pocket, and bro, just throw it away. Yeah, throw it exactly. away, bro. It's it, it's frustrating, but you know what? The Jets and Zach Wilson are on two different trajectories. The Jets team is ready to win now, and That's Zach true. Wilson is not. Is not. Last year mm-hmm. we could deal with these hiccups because we were a growing, developing team. There wasn't any expectations. Now we're five and two. There's expectations to win now, and he's losing us games. So they're just on different trajectories. Hopefully it balances out, and if not, we got to figure out a way to scheme him to just not turn the ball over, let the defense play well, but at the same time you need this guy to develop. So kind of stuck in a hard place, but we'll see. Speaking of teams that are in the win-now mode, is a team that traded for arguably the best wide receiver this offseason. My loser for this week is the Las Vegas Raiders. They got shut out by the Saints. They fall to 2-6. and six. Jacobs got shut down, which is pretty much their whole entire offense. And Derek Carr showed everyone why he is the most middest, mid, I don't even know the, the correct way to say it. Derek Carr is mid. 101 yards and a pick. This is a Raiders offense with Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, who didn't play, Josh Jacobs, and Derek Carr, who didn't cross the 50-yard line until there was 2 minutes and 13 seconds left in the fourth quarter against a Saints team that they have a good defense, but they're not what they were during the Drew Brees era. Both Adams and Renfro had one catch each on Sunday. Mac Hollins was the lead receiver. Fantasy owners are definitely not happy. The Raider fans aren't happy. This is a team in the AFC West that people thought were going to compete just because of how they did last season. You know, they they beat the Colts, they beat the Chargers, they were finally able to make it into the playoffs. Now, granted, they did lose to the Bengals on, I believe it was a goal line interception. That's how they lost the game. Derek Carr threw an interception in the end zone to lose the game. Essentially, yeah. Again, Derek Carr showing that he's mid. Derek Carr did have what was going to be an MVP season back in 2016 until he injured his back. He hasn't been the same since. This Raiders team has plenty of weapons. They're just not putting it all together. The best thing I can think about right now is between Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers is, I don't know if you know the Wolverine meme where he's laying in the bed looking at the picture. It can go both ways. Aaron Rodgers is looking at a picture of Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams is looking at a picture of Aaron Rodgers because both of them need each other. This Raiders team is a huge letdown. They're not anything what we were going to be during the offseason. Yeah, like you said, Mike, this is a top five weapons room in all of football. You have Josh Jacobs, who's had one of the better seasons he's ever had in his career on the fact that they said they weren't going to pay him, so he just decided to go absolutely off. Hopefully he gets an extension in the offseason. I think he deserves it. Like you said, traded for Devontae Adams. Hunter Renfro had an 1,000-yard Pro Bowl season last year. And Darren Waller, you know, as much as he was built in a lab essentially he hasn't produced at all this year and I think this comes back to the fact that Justin mentioned this I'm gonna give you some credit earlier in the season Josh McDaniels does not look like the head coach of or should be the head coach for the Las Vegas Raiders this is a two and five team in the in what we thought was the most competitive division in all of football oh my gosh the AFC West is going to be a gun show this year every offense can be high flying and crazy you're not utilizing all three of your weapons You're just pounding the rock with Josh Jacobs, praying that it opens up your play action, and you're relying on Derek Carr and his ability to somehow roll out of the pocket and hit wide receivers in stride, which 
like Mike said, has not been the same since a couple years ago. You can do it against bad defenses like the Kansas City Chiefs, for example, but you can't do it against teams with like reasonable corners, right? And you know, I only make that comparison because the Chiefs have, I think, one veteran corner, and that's Legarius Sneed because they just got rid of Rashad Fenton at the trade deadline. This Raiders team is in shambles because they got one of the best DNs as well. They did a lot in this offseason when it came to adding players at positions that would make a big difference, and it really hasn't changed anything. If, or actually in reality, it's gotten much worse. Yeah, I think the Raiders are a perfect example of putting makeup on a pig. You know what I'm saying? You can try your best to make it look pretty with all these fancy stars. Wow, we got Chandler Jones. Wow, we got Devontae Adams. Okay, your offensive line sucks. Your defensive line outside of Chandler Jones, like your interior defensive line, full of nobodies. Your linebacking core sucks. Your corner group sucks. Your safeties suck. You can have all the stars in the world, but if you don't have depth and you don't have a solid, balanced-out roster, it's bound to fail. Like, like you said, man, Josh McDaniels is not that guy as a head coach. I called it. I said I said he was going to be a bad head coach. Doesn't look like that guy. But I don't think it's all on him. I just think it's the fact that this roster really isn't as talented as we thought. Just because you have a top edge rusher and a top receiver doesn't make your overall roster good. Which leads me to my next loser. The LA Rams are not a good football team. And that's just the reality. This Super Bowl hangover, I, I said, all right, might be Super Bowl hangover. It clearly isn't. This team is just not good would you expect the rams to have a good offense yeah one would think right second least amount of points scored in the entire league they have quite literally the worst offense statistically speaking they rank 30 31 31 30 like bottom bottom not even bottom 20 bottom 30 it's like them and the texans are duking it out for 31 and 32 and 30 that's that is ridiculous they're simply not as talented as we thought they were last year they're just not as talented as we thought. And I remember after free agency, I said the Rams took a huge step back. Yes, they got Allen Robinson. Yeah, they got Bobby Wagner. Those guys have not made any difference to this team. They lost a lot of depth. I think losing Andrew Whitworth hurt them a lot because they can't run the ball. They can't protect Stafford. And then, like, Stafford, what is up, bro? Arthritis in his elbow, maybe? I don't even know. This team mortgaged everything for that ring. Now what? They got the ring. They're clearly, they clearly can't compete anymore. Is it time to blow it up? Do you just roll with it? They said McVay is gone after the core four of Cup, Stafford, Donald, and Ramsey are gone. Will they be gone this offseason? Are they just going to blow it up? Donald might retire. Like There are so many question marks with this football team, and the fact that they are playing so poorly does nothing to put out the fire. It is pretty wild, considering that you and I, Justin, had really high hopes for this team coming into it coming into this season like I had them as the top seed repeating in the in the NFC and it goes to show how important the O-line and not only that the offensive coordinator is for this team Kevin O'Connell who's now on a six and one Vikings team having an amazing tenure in Minnesota is proving that he was a vital asset towards making Matthew Stafford that guy because you know who looks like that guy right now Kirk Cousins looks good and he was he was he was running around the pocket in the game last weekend against the Cardinals they put up 35 points he's using all of his weapons that offense is firing on all cylinders and Kirk looks good Kevin O'Connell has proven now twice that he can make a mid quarterback look great that is a huge loss for this team and Justin 
we were all getting really excited because we'd see this new strategy coming in the NFL. Super teams. We're going to load this team up. We're going to be really good for two years. Now we're seeing the dark side because the future of this team is in shambles. This is true, but I think if they were to blow it up, they might be able to recuperate. I mean, a cup, you could fetch a lot for cup. Obviously, the fans will want to kill you for getting rid of them, but if you want it, this, this roster has been depleted of picks for so long. They're so top-heavy. There's no depth. There's no young guys. Like there, there, There's a lot of work to be done there, and it, I think it starts with selling guys like Ramsey, Donald if you can, Stafford you probably won't be able to, but I think Ramsey and Cup would be amazing trade pieces to kind of recuperate some capital. Speaking of trades, let's get into the trade deadline and give some grades for these for these trades that went down just a couple days ago. We got TJ Hawkinson to the Vikings. The Lions receive a second and third round pick. The Vikings get two fourths, one of which could become a third round pick, and they get TJ Hawkinson. I think it's a B plus for the Vikes. They did a great job making sure they get a lot of capital and they get a you know like a top seven tight end in the league. Shout out to the Vikings for this, especially after their tight end, Irv Smith Jr., goes down with an injury. They need a guy, and Detroit, they're, they're bottom of the barrel, so they're scraping for whatever they can, Jackson. and the Vikings took advantage of it. I thought the Lions were going like 10-7. and seven, I thought they were too, man, but I also <laughs> thought the Rams were going 14-3. and three. We've all yeah, had our we moments. All, yeah. We all had our moments, so give your grade for this trade. I'm going to give it on both sides a B. I think it was a very solid trade for both teams. You know, the Vikings get that tight end one, replace Irv Smith. They give up a little bit, but you know what? When you're 6-1 and one and you're going all in, that second rounder doesn't mean too much. Honestly, and I might be a little too high on TJ Hawkinson, I'm going to give this an A-, minus, just because of the weapons that the Vikings have. You mentioned O'Connell you know, earlier in the episode. Utilizing his weapons, now he just gets another weapon, Irv Smith Jr. going to the IR, adding TJ Hawkinson, who is a top five tight end in this league because quite frankly there's really not that many tight ends besides Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey this is a great trade for the Vikings and also they got two more picks along with them so I think this is a great trade for the Vikings their offense is going to be even that more dynamic I would have to agree with you Mike I'm on the I'm on the upside of that trade you know what I'm not on the upside of this trade that the Bears made for Chase Claypool they gave the Steelers a second I really don't think he's worth that and to be quite frank, I think the real loser in this trade is Chase Claypool. I mean, he got traded to a bottom-of-the-barrel team. He's going to get more targets. I think this will open up. We'll see a little bit more of what Justin Fields can do. But I really do think that Chase Claypool's career is now, like, over. I think being on, like, a team like this, it, it just ruins you because you know, at least with the Steelers, you knew you were, like, rebuilding. Now you're, like, back at square one. Like, this, if there was a mountain for football... I would give the Steelers one level up on the on the Bears, and I would give them a little more upside just because of their total roster compared to the Bears. Overall, for the Bears, I give it like a C-. minus. It's like okay. It's nothing crazy. We get to see a little bit more of what Justin Fields can do. I'm going to give this this trade A+, plus because the Bears have got a top three wide receiver now. You know, <laughs> Chase Claypool came out and said he was a top three wide receiver, and he has totally shown that. I am kidding. I'm giving this trade a D plus. I mean, Chase Claypool is a good, you know, he went to Notre Dame, he's talented. 
The Bears are just not that good. Justin Fields has been playing well in the last four weeks, but this trade really does nothing for the Bears because their season is already over. They're going to have a guy who was sort of a drama queen, and now you're just going to add it to a team that's unsuccessful, and the Bears looked like all sellers, and now they're getting in a wide receiver, but at the cost of a second-round pick. I don't really like this trade. It doesn't really make sense. Uh, I disagree I disagree completely. I'm going to give this trade an A- minus for the Bears. I think when you have a young quarterback... You have to do everything in your power to build the best possible roster around him. You want to help a quarterback develop? Go get him weapons. I mean, they traded Roquan Smith for a second, so they're moving back a little bit in the second round, essentially, to get Chase Claypool. I see absolutely nothing wrong with that. Justin Fields, outside of Darnell Mooney, who else does he have to throw to? Like Cole Komet. Yeah, who the hell is... Obviously, he's a tight end. I know who Cole Komet is, but who the hell is Cole Komet? Like, get your young quarterback weapons... See what they can give you. Yes, their season's over, but you still want to see development. You want them to just lose every game, get blown out, and Justin Fields looks like trash? You know what happens when you get blown out and your quarterback looks like trash and plays like trash because he has nobody to throw to? Moral gets down. He doesn't develop. They start calling for his head. I think this is a great trade and a great job by Pace, uh, as the GM there in Chicago, getting your guy we- uh, weapons, recognizing he needs help to throw the football. I think it's a great trade for them. Speaking of adding a weapon, Roquan Smith was traded to the Ravens, the leading tackler for the Chicago Bears this season, for eight linebacker A.J. Klein and a second-round pick along with a fifth-round pick. I think this is an A-minus trade for the Ravens. The only downside is going to be the fact that they have to pay him next season as his contract is up, so you get a kind of one-year addition to this defense where you can choose to dish him I mean, I guess he's a free agent, so no, you can't, but you can choose to extend him or leave him on the free agent market. But my point is, in a banged up defense that Baltimore has, I really like adding a leading tackler to that defense. Yeah, the Ravens lost Justin Houston. Adding Rokon Smith is good. I'm going to give this B minus, add to the already injured defense. The Ravens are in a panic mode right now because if they don't make the playoffs and they're not successful in the playoffs, it's going to be really tough for them to re-sign Lamar, and Lamar's going to want a ton of money. They gave up two picks and a player for him. You have to you have to re-sign him after you give up that much. Yeah, well, that's, that's the problem. He's a rental, Mike. That's exactly the problem with this trade. I'm going to give it a C-minus because I don't know how much an off-ball linebacker— Wow, cool, he's a leading tackler. That's not that valuable. In the league. Like, yes, it's cool and all to say he led the league in tackles or is a top, he'll lead the team in tackles or whatever. That doesn't have that much value in the grand scheme of things. The era of off ball linebackers being valuable is dead, much like the fullback or, you know, running backs' values isn't that high either. Like you said, you invest this much, a second round pick and a player, you have to pay him. Oh, wait! You know who you have to pay this offseason? Lamar Jackson. This is essentially them having to pick between paying Roquan Smith or paying Lamar Jackson because they can't afford both. You'd be dumb to pay Roquan Smith and not Lamar Jackson. This is really just a rental. They invested a second-round pick into a rental for an off-ball linebacker. I, I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know how much value he will bring to the team. I don't think he pushes the needle that much, turn them into like some Super Bowl contender just because he's on the team. Interesting, considering they're the top seed in your rankings from the AFC. Oh, yeah, I picked them to win the AFC, yeah. but... Stuff happens, you That's know. That's true. We, we thought the uh, Falcons would have the first overall <laughs> pick. They don't. Thought the Rams would run away with their division. They yeah. have not. So my opinion on teams changed. The Ravens don't look as good as I thought they would be. All right, Bradley Chubb to the Miami Dolphins. I'm giving this another A minus, and the only reason is because you have to pay this man. But you know what? He's worth paying. The defensive end position is so important. Bradley Chubb 
goes to the Broncos for the 2023 first round pick that the Niners had and the 2024 fourth round along with Chase Edmonds and they got a fifth along with Bradley Chubb. I have had nightmares about this guy. I thought he was just a baby Von Miller. Been the AFC West for a long, long time, terrorizing the offensive lines in that division. And now he comes to Miami among a team that desperately needs a pass rush because their secondary is strong. Xavier Howard back there kind of anchors that secondary down. And to have a guy that gets pressure on a team that I'm sure would feast off of turnovers would be huge to have down in Miami. Jackson, terrorizing teams in the AFC West, man. Last time he was even close to relevant was 2018. His rookie season, very injury prone. In my opinion... He, he is a very good edge rusher, but I don't know if he's like worth that much investment. They're going to have to pay him a lot of money. And I'm looking at his stats. He has five and a half, but it's like he goes off every once in a while. Against the Colts, he had two and a half sacks. And then week one against the Seahawks, he had two. So that means the last seven weeks, no, obviously not the last seven weeks, but if you take out those two games, he's had one sack in seven games. So it's just, uh, I don't really know how I feel about him. I'll give it a B, though. You know, they want to go all in. I had... The first-round pick investment is a lot. 49ers are going to pick in the back end, so they already lost their first-round pick because they had to forfeit it because they're, you know, stingy, freak. They're just they're not a good organization. Maybe my Dolphins hate is coming into coming into the picture here, but I'll give it a B. I don't, I don't I have no problem with going all in. I just don't, I don't know if Bradley Chubb's that guy. I do think that it makes a difference the team that he's going to, right? I'm sure he was excited coming into the season about Russell Wilson being on his team and the fact that they could be contenders turned out they didn't now he's going to a place where there's a lot of energy surrounding the miami dolphins and where they could land i mean they they handled the buffalo bills earlier in the season yes justin you and i have talked about the fact that that was probably a fluke win but my point is an energy can change and a flip can switch when you change teams and i think this is going to be one of those scenarios i'm going to give the whole dolphins draft day a b plus bradley chubb trade was an a minus the jeff wilson trade was a B minus. The backfield for the Dolphins now is Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson. Hmm. Does that sound familiar? It's two 49ers. Two 49ers under Mike McDaniels. Bradley Chubb is an absolute weapon. He terrorizes every team, as you mentioned, that he plays. The Dolphins are realizing that this is a win now opportunity. So they are buying everybody they can to help them win. They're putting their full faith within Tua. Granted, they need to make sure that he's okay to play, but they're putting their full faith into Tua, giving him that confidence that he is that guy, putting the weapons on both sides of the ball that they need to be successful. I think this is a great trade for the Dolphins. I'm in agreement. I mean, you got an injury-prone Raheem Mostert, and you got the guy who backed up him in the 49ers' backfield, also has ties to Mike McDaniel. I'll give it an A-. minus. I mean, it's a fifth-round pick for a running back. You're not giving up a whole lot, and you have a guy that can be a three-down back that's proven to take it to take in roles that he had in the 49ers' backfield. Yeah, I'm going to agree. I'm going to give it an A. A fifth-round pick is virtually worthless. It's not worth that much. You get a guy who was clearly going to be the third in the depth chart running back there with CMC and then Elijah Mitchell coming off the IR. So toss up a fifth-rounder, get a nice solid three, uh, third-down back, backup running back. Nothing wrong with that move. All right, Calvin Ridley to the Jaguars. This is the A++ trade of the of the trade deadline, really. A second and fifth round pick for a top wide receiver in the NFL. I think Calvin Ridley, when he's healthy, can be a top 15, maybe even top 12 guy. That might be a stretch. You know, we'll have to see how he comes back from a year off of play. 
but the Jaguars add another receiving weapon in an already depth-filled wide receiver room. Trevor Lawrence gets a dog on the outside who can run just about any route in the tree, and he has that now to go along with Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, and Evan Ingram. Those names don't sound great, but they are something to have behind a guy like Calvin Ridley. A-plus trade for the Jaguars. Their offense is actually looking pretty scary. You mentioned all their weapons. Calvin really just adds that clear-cut wide receiver one. You know, there's Zay Jones, Marvin Jones. You know, there was never really that clear number one guy. Now they have that clear number one, Christian Kirk. Like, all guys who on other teams are wide receivers two and threes. Calvin Ridley, who was overshadowed by Julio Jones, he is that clear-cut wide receiver one. The Jaguars are actually looking pretty scary. I'm a little nervous. They got weapons on the defensive side of the ball with Josh Allen. This is an A-plus trade. I'd have to agree. A-plus, plus, 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 plus. I love the prospect of going out and getting your young quarterback a bona fide stud at wide receiver. Calvin Ridley has proven that he can be that guy in this league. I see absolutely nothing wrong. Obviously, you're not going to get him this year. He's suspended for betting on his former team, the Falcons, to beat the Jaguars. But hey, life comes at you fast. Now he's on the Jaguars. I think I think he's going to be a great guy. I think that connection there in Jacksonville will be nasty next year. And I think Christian Kirk is an upper echelon wide receiver too. So look out for him next year as well. That offense, hopefully... As long as Trevor Lawrence takes that step, will be very scary next year. Speaking of great offenses, Naeem Hines is headed to the Bills for Zach Moss and a sixth-round pick. The running back swap, and I think the Bills definitely got the better half of it. Naeem Hines is an incredible receiving back out of Indianapolis, and it just adds another depth piece on to the Bills. I'm going to give it an A-. minus. I'm going to give it a C. I'm not a big fan of it. Naeem Hines is a stud, but you know they've already invested. Zach Moss was a top 100 pick I believe they got Devin Singletary James Cook now they add Naheem Hines into the mix get rid of Zach Moss point remains they've invested a lot into these mid-tier running backs I thought you know Devin Singletary and James Cook would be a tandem and you know James Cook could either be the receiving back or Devin Singletary now they've got a three-headed attack and I just feel like there's just so much going on in that running back room it's all it's a C it's a whatever trade they didn't give up much they get a guy that's definitely going to be their third down back now He's going to go filthy with Josh Allen. That'll be cool, but I just think it's a C because they tried so hard to make Devin Singletary, and then they invested in James Cook, and now they're kind of replacing them in a sense. I'm going to give this grade a B plus. Naheem Hines is better than any Bills running back they've had since LaShawn McCoy, and even then, LaShawn McCoy was not in his prime. Naheem Hines is a very dynamic back. He's pretty much a slot receiver. With Also, he can just bounce off of the, the linebacker. He can get to the, the second level fairly quickly because he has so much speed. I think this is a B-plus trade. Josh Allen gets yet another weapon to an already loaded Bills team. Naheem Hines, if used correctly, is a very good running back. Speaking of guys who, if they're used correctly, could be really dangerous, we got one final trade here, and it's going to hit home a little bit. Kadarius Toney is headed to the Kansas City Chiefs for a third-round pick and a sixth-round pick in next year's draft. The Giants get rid of what was a first-round pick wide receiver a couple years ago for a third-round and a sixth-round pick. Kadarius Toney in his rookie season, 420 yards receiving on 39 catches. He had explosive games where he broke out for over 100 yards. Now he's in one of the most dynamic offenses in all of football that adds another receiver to that chain. Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid got a new toy. I'm going to give the trade a B plus because we still have to see Kadarius Toney this season. He's been injured. All of a sudden, now he's healthy. I know that's the joke going around because I think he just wanted to avoid being, you know, having his time wasted on a bad team. And the Giants aren't a bad team, which is sad because Kadarius Toney could have made that offense even more. I 
even more dynamic. In his rookie season, he looked crazy when it came to agility, but now he's on a team that is full of high-flying pieces, and he's got the best quarterback in football. I'm excited to see KT in a Chiefs uniform. I'm going to give it a D+. I love the idea of getting a new weapon, so versatile. Jackson, half of his yards, his rookie season, came in one game. He's just a problem. His character is not what you want. It's not what you can afford to have on your team. He probably wasn't injured. You're right. They didn't let him play because he's a bonehead. He makes dumb decisions. He makes scenes. He had a career day against the Cowboys, and he gets ejected for throwing punches. He's just a very immature player. A lot of my buddies are Giants fans. They say the same thing. Great player, no denying his talent. He's lethal with the football in his hands, but he's just bound to make you look foolish. He he's not a good look for a football team. Well, in you know to to throw it back a little bit, um, they didn't give up much for Kadarius Tony. Well, to I be mean, a third round honest. pick is a decent amount, right? As Creed Humphrey was a third or a sec, late second round. He was pick. a second round pick, late second round pick. Yeah. So here's the thing: the thing that I'll say real quick, when it comes to Kansas City. How many times do you see outlandish attitudes? Right. So if there is a problem with his character, I believe it will be fixed. Yes, that doesn't mean that bad characters cannot come into to really buttoned up teams and be just horrible. We saw it with Antonio Brown on the New England Patriots. You know, Bill Belichick couldn't handle his shenanigans, and he said, hey, you're done, you're out of here. Kadarius Toney can come into this Kansas City locker room that is very tightly run, and the Chiefs can hold him accountable. It's whether or not we can see him on the field. That's going to be the game changer because you add a guy who is so young, you can really change this kid's mind when you know there's a Super Bowl on the line. I'm going to give this grade a C+. The big question mark is we haven't really seen him play that much. We had, you know, he had his moments during his rookie season, but he's been hurt or he hasn't been hurt. We really don't know. There's a lot of question marks around him. I would say the Giants, they they got a good haul for him considering that he really didn't play a third and a six. I think is a good haul for a guy who has barely any playing time, you know, has the history of not being the best locker room character. But Kadarius Tony, you know, there's reports of him being the next, you know, Tyreek Hill. I've heard that out of college just because of his speed and, how dynamic he is, but we got to see. C plus, a lot of question marks. That's all we've got for the trade deadline, and that is going to be the conclusion of this episode. Let us know your thoughts in the polls down below of of this episode. What you guys thought of the trades made at this trade deadline? We look forward to this. You know, we're almost midway through the season. We look forward to seeing how these guys can progress throughout the second half of the season. We have a bunch of players on a bunch of new teams, and we're going to see how that changes things up in an already crazy NFL season. But for now, that's all we've got. So for Mike Federico and Justin Valenzuela, my name is Jackson Shank. We will see you all next time. Peace.